Well, we're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture reading comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Filipenses, capítulo 4, versículos 10 al 13, and 19 to 20 as well. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13, and then verses 19 to 20 as well. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can hear God's word read aloud as well in the book of Philippians. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the word of God. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances may be. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you because your word gives life. And Lord, some of these scriptures, we've heard them many, many times before, but we've never taken time to truly reflect what they mean or to truly live out what they truly mean in our lives, God. And we pray, God, that today you would teach us how to do that. You would teach us to let these words, these scriptures become a part of our bones, a part of our DNA, a part of our very life, God. Lord, show us a new way. Show us your way, Jesus. We pray this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. So today we're going to conclude our series on the book of Philippians that we've been on throughout the entire fall. And we've learned just so much together on uh, just contentment, on joy in all circumstances, on uh, suffering, and um, on seeing God in all things. One of the attitudes that we see the Apostle Paul write Philippians with is really um, just an attitude of boldness and courage. So what exactly is it? What gives Paul so much boldness and so much courage to be able to proclaim the gospel without fear and to live the gospel without fear? How is it that the Apostle Paul continues to call us, God's people, to learn to respond to hardship with joy and with confidence? Paul here is responding and living out the way of Jesus. And as we've learned this entire fall, the way of Jesus is not just some new kind of religious talk 
or new kind of lifestyle, but the way of Jesus is a new way to be human. A new way to be human in God's kingdom. El camino de Cristo es un nuevo camino, una nueva humanidad. All of us know something about being human, but perhaps for some of us, that's simply the old way of being human. The old way of being, being human is what we're born into, and this is what we do naturally. And remember, when we don't know what to do, we simply do what we know. And for many of us, that's just going back to our old ways. But in Christ, we have a new way. Part of the old way of being human is simply giving into fear, giving into defeat. But yet, in this new creation, in this new way of Christ, the Lord Jesus sees you. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your defeat. He sees you in your hardship. And he says, not so with you. That hard thing that you are going through, that will not be the last thing for you. That will not be the defining thing for you. Because there is a new way. There is a better way to be human when we abide and when we trust in Jesus. This new way that the Apostle Paul is pointing to in Philippians is a way that leads to joy. Joy in all seasons, joy in all circumstances. Joy, as we see Paul remind us over and over again in this passage, is something that begins with gratitude. That's something we got to practice as a country, as a church, last week. Joy begins with gratitude. If you ever want to remember where God is working in your life, I have a suggestion for you. Just stop whatever you're doing and start with gratitude. You know, I have people in my life that can speak into my life in so many different ways that can even uh, minister to me and mentor me and pastor me as well. And one question that oftentimes my mentors begin with is simply that question, especially when I'm ready to vent and complain and talk about so-and-so. Not any of you, though. But, <laughs> you know, my mentors usually start with the question, what are you grateful for today? What are you celebrating? What is God doing in your life in this season? What can you be thankful for? For the season of life for your family, for your congregation. Joy begins with gratitude. That's one lesson we've learned in Philippians. In Philippians, we've also learned how God really wants to transform every single part of our lives, especially those things that sometimes we feel a little bit unwilling to give over to God. Yeah, sometimes we're willing to give to God the ways that we appear to others or the ways that we show up to others, but God really wants all of you, all of me, just as we are. Even those things that we're not so proud of, some of those things that we all deal with, I've dealt with them in the past, things like anger, depression, anxiety, all of those things God wants as well. 
And sometimes, you know, if you're anything like me, we can have a love, a hate relationship with our own internal struggles, our own issues. Sometimes we can think, God, you can really have all of that. You can have the nice religious stuff or the way that I appear to others or the way others think about me, but you can't have that. You can't have those things that I don't like to talk about or those areas of my life that I don't like to go to, those internal struggles because they belong to me. They are my issues. As I talked about a few weeks ago when I first introduced this topic, they feel like our babies, our own little babies that we protect. Yes, our ugly babies, but they're still our babies. We don't even want God to go in there, but God insists, no, you belong to me. So I want all of you just as you are. And the good work that I began in you, I will bring into completion. God will use all of who we are, including those internal things that we're not too proud of, including those patterns that we keep going back to. Bring God into the mess and see God do something new. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. Not only to do something new, but to make someone new. During the fall, as we were in Philippians, we got to celebrate several baptisms. And baptism is that. It's a sign of promise, of new creation, of new beginning. Baptism, yes, is for the person being baptized, but it's also a reminder to each and every one of us that because of Christ, who you are today is not who you were. Definitely not who you were 10 years ago. And guess what? God is not done yet. Because as we learned in that very first chapter of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Memorize that verse. Let that verse seep into you, be a part of you. In Philippians, there are so many life-giving verses that many of us have heard many times, but have never really let it sit and stew and simmer inside of us and become a part of us. So as we conclude Philippians today and we prepare for Advent, for the Christmas season next week, we're just re recapping some of the lessons learned, and then we'll also be reminded of this final lesson that the Apostle Paul gives us here on practicing contentment. Philippians talks a lot about friendship and about community. And God gives us friends. God gives us community who build us up, who encourage us to support us and even meet some of our physical needs in times of need. God meets our needs through his people. I've said this before, and uh, it's something that I want us to put into practice regularly. Remember that the closest step to God is loving your neighbor right next to you. Are you someone that God can use, that God can count on to bless others and to meet their relational, their spiritual, and their physical needs? The new way to be human, which Paul in Philippians talks about, is an invitation from God to go the next level 
to go the next level in your discipleship, in your closeness, and your intimacy in your journey with God. You can become a person that God uses to bless others. And the way that God will use us to bless others is when we practice a life of contentment. Contentment is not a result of having plenty and, in, and having all of our personal needs met, but contentment it results in knowing that God is enough, that God is sufficient, that nothing has the power to destroy you because God is enough. God's got you. Whether we are wealthy or whether we're prospering, whether we're poor, whether we're suffering, God is enough. Our sufficiency, our joy is in Christ alone. When you and I are content right where God has placed us in all seasons, God will do amazing things. Being content in what God has given you, content in your identity in Christ, when we practice that ability of trust, of contentment, we become an instrument, a channel of God's grace to others, of God's blessing to others. On the other hand, we can choose another way. When we are not content. When I'm not content, then I can become a person who is self-absorbed, who is self-centered, a bitter, envious person. And it's okay, we've all felt that way before. We've all felt bitterness or envy or anger or any of that stuff before. But when that becomes our final attitude, when I've chosen that as my way of life, then I must be aware that such a person can never expect to be used by God. God cannot work with envy and with bitterness. Let's start with contentment and gratitude and see God use you as a channel of grace, as a channel of blessing to others. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel not only makes you a person who extends grace to others, but by being a blessing to others. The gospel also makes you someone who is humble, who reflects Christ. That means that you can receive grace from others. The gospel turns us into people who are honest about our weaknesses and our brokenness. The gospel also rids us of shame and guilt. Shame and guilt, that's not from God. He calls you into freedom. And this freedom really gives us this, this, this new way to be able to restore relationships, to give grace and to receive grace. God meets all of our needs according to his riches in the gospel. And the grace that God extends to us, we, through contentment, could extend that to others as well. So last week we talked about thankfulness and gratitude. This week we're going to be talking about contentment and joy. Philippians, in many ways, is a, a series of short reflections around the life, death, and resurrection and the exaltation of Jesus, where we can learn to see our own story 
as, as a, a part of the continued Jesus story. Your own story is a continued lived expression of Jesus' story. The Apostle Paul, again, so many gems in the book of Philippians. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Remember uh, the, the good work that God began in you, he will bring into completion. In chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul also reminds us that a new way to begin to be human begins with a new identity and a new citizenship. Philippians 3.20 reminds us that our true citizenship is in heaven. And it says this in, in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's be clear about this. Our citizenship being in heaven, that doesn't mean that we're all just trying to escape earth or the reality in front of us to just get to heaven quickly. No, instead, heaven, which is life with God, heaven is the new lens and the new perspective in which we engage the entire world and how we live life on this earth. As citizens of heaven, we have a king, the king who is bringing about new creation for humanity and, new, new, and newness into all things. The Apostle Paul challenges us to continue to live out the Jesus story right where we are. And in this final chapter as well, Paul reminds us that peace comes by focusing, by focusing our thinking, by refocusing our thinking, refocusing our thoughts on how it says in that passage which we read in the opening, by focusing on th our thoughts on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Refocused thinking is the key to joy. And the Apostle Paul summarizes all of that in one word. He summarizes the key to joy through refocused thinking in one word. And that word is contentment. Learning to be content. Contentment reminds us that when we choose to refocus our thinking we come to realize that all of life is a gift and we can choose to see God's grace and see God's beauty in all of life's circumstances. Now, just to be clear, contentment does not mean that life will be easy. I didn't read that anywhere in this passage, did you? It does not mean that life will be easy. It does not mean that we can use cheap religious cliches to run away from the sometimes painful work of transformation that God takes us through. Remember this, friends, brothers, and sisters. If God brings you to it, God will walk you through it. If God brings you to it, God will walk you through it. Contentment means that God is with you, no matter what. In all seasons, in all circumstances, God is with you. Contentment is a reminder that we find what we 
are looking for. I love how the Apostle Paul here talks about refocusing our thinking. Because isn't that true? We find whatever we're looking for. In very simple examples, right? There's even been some psychological tests on this. You know, you never really notice uh, uh, the kind of car that you drive until you start driving it and then you see it everywhere, right? Or you never really notice pickup trucks until you decide to look for a pickup truck and that's all you begin to see. We find whatever we're looking for. And I've had all kinds of conversations with friends, with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, with uh, family, and I've learned that this is absolutely true. And I've learned that attitude is everything, really. And I've had people encounter the exact same circumstances, and some can encounter love from that circumstance, and others can encounter offense. If we're looking for love, that's what we're going to find. If we're looking to be offended, guess what you're going to find? Offense. We look, we find whatever we're looking for. And in this community of imperfect people worshiping a perfect God, if you are looking for love and grace, that's what you're going to find with us. If you're looking for perfection, then you're going to be offended. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler alert. We find whatever we're looking for. And that's in every single circumstance. Not only do we find whatever we're looking for, but the truth is that every single circumstance is what we make of it. Is that true or false? Those that have lived life, you know that every single circumstance really is what you make of it. The circumstance or situation that you're experiencing, remember this, circumstances and situations, they are not people. So it's not personal. Circumstances and situations are a part of what it means to live life on life's terms. Part of experiencing our humanity is going through circumstances and situations, difficult ones and joyful ones as well. Part of being human in this world with limitations means that we will have difficult circumstances. But it all comes down to perspective, right? We find what we're looking for. One of my favorite writers, Henry Nouwen, he actually wrote this in a devotion once that he called spiritual choices. He says this, Henry Nouwen writes in this devotion, it's called Bread for the Journey, I read it most mornings, and it says this, spiritual choices make a difference. For example, imagine going through a car accident, two people involved, one person chooses gratitude for life, another one chooses bitterness. Now these choices radically influence their lives and the lives of their families and their friends. The truth is this, we have very little control over what happens in our lives, but we have a lot of control over how we experience and remember what happens. 
It is precisely these spiritual choices that will determine whether or not we live in dignity and in joy. The spiritual choice that the Apostle Paul leaves us with in the letter of the Philippians, his concluding words are about this, spiritual choices. The Apostle Paul tells us that the key to everlasting joy is contentment. Learning to be content. Paul concludes with gratitude to the Philippians and he wants them to know that his imprisonment, his challenges, even the poverty that he has experienced, that these things are not the true hardships of his life. In fact, what he is trying to tell the people of God then and the people of God today, he is trying to tell us that through these hardships, they have actually been the greatest teachers of his life. These hardships are not what will define his life. He is claiming that because of practicing contentment through seeing the grace of Jesus Christ in all things, Paul is actually claiming that these hardships and difficulties have actually become his greatest teachers. Hardship and difficulty can be some of our greatest teachers as well. In all circumstances, as Paul says here, there is a key to everlasting joy. Notice that Paul here is not just talking about happiness, but about joy, everlasting joy. Not just happiness, because a, a, lot of, a lot of us can experience happiness, and when we enter into God's joy, there will be a lot of moments of happiness, but happiness is just that, it's a moment. It comes and it goes. We know that about happiness. We can even manufacture happiness, right? With That's what drugs do. That's what experiences do. They just manufacture a moment of happiness. But what the Apostle Paul here is talking about is beyond just a moment of happiness, but everlasting joy. Again, happiness comes and goes. Want me to prove it to you? Who's ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed? Just a little miserable. Some of you this morning, right? No, I'm just kidding. But I've come like that on a Sunday sometimes too. But guess what? That moment, it comes and it goes. Some of us have woken up miserable before, but by the time, it's, by, by the time we go to bed at night, we're somehow happy. The day turned out okay. Some of us have woken up absolutely happy, cheerful, the day is going to be beautiful, and we go to bed miserable. Happiness comes and goes, but contentment can be practiced, as Paul says, in our times of need, in our times of prosperity, in our times of poverty, and in our times of plenty. And here the Apostle Paul is talking about something, and maybe you know something about this, or maybe not. Tell me as you read this, have you known what Paul has known here? I know what it is to be in need. Who knows what it is to be in need? And I know what it is to have plenty. Who's had seasons where you've had plenty? Yet I have learned the secret of being content 
in any and every situa situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, before going on, we really need to provide context for this verse, right? Because I've heard all kinds of people use this verse in the wrong context, right? Where, you know, uh, what this passage is telling us, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's really saying this. It's saying, I can practice contentment in all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I've seen different people misuse this verse, both religious and non-religious people that just have Philippians 4.13 on a t-shirt or social media influences, influencers, right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or a musician just winning a song about dehumanizing another person and yet says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or a a, uh, a, a business person who just you know, made a bad business deal and really um, did something wrong in that, but then tries to justify it by saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's not saying you can do whatever you want and justify it and just say that Christ is the one who gives you strength. No, that's when we do that, that's using that's using God's word for our own purposes. What this passage is talking about is about contentment. That we can practice contentment in all things. We can withstand and go through all things through Christ who gives us strength. I hope that's clear, just the, the distinction between the two. Because I've heard that thrown around all kinds of settings over the years. Contentment is choosing to depend on Christ who gives me strength. Contentment is a choice. The power of being created in the image of God in the Imago Dei, as we even name our church here, is the power to have choices. Choices that impact us and that impact others. Joy is a choice. Our choices have power to impact our lives and the lives of those around us. Contentment is a choice to bless others and to build others up and to live a life of joy. So if contentment is that, it's a way to bless and build up, then what's the opposite? What is the opposite of contentment? The opposite of contentment is control control of circumstances. If you're trying to live your life just controlling your situations and circumstances and other people around you, then guess what? That is the key to misery. Because we are not meant to control circumstances. And we're not able to control other people. When we're really honest, we know that that's the awful truth that many of us run away from. That we try to drain out all the time with all kinds of distractions, but the truth is that we are powerless. 
We are powerless over other people. We are powerless over situations and circumstances. But the good news of the gospel is this. Just because we are powerless, it does not mean that we are helpless. Because there is a greater, there is a truer power in contentment than there is in this fake controlling attitude. Because that's always worked with you, right? When someone just tries to control you. No, that only works until it doesn't. It's because it's fake. It's not real. Contentment is what grounds us in God's truth and God's reality. Contentment is choosing to depend on Christ who gives me strength. And I'd like us at this point, if we could put the verse up, Philippians 4, 12 to 13, to just remind each other of this truth to build each other up, to bless each other as we are gathered here today and we're going to be sent out throughout this week and return here for worship once again on Sunday. And if we have the verse up for us, I'd like us to say it together. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Let this be your prayer. Let this be your word this morning. And go ahead and we'll do it together, beginning at verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. The Apostle Paul has come to see his own suffering as part of him living into the story of Jesus. And the story of Jesus is a story of life, death, suffering, and resurrection, and glory as well. In this new way to be human that Paul's talking about here in Philippians, we're really learning how to see our lives as a reflection of the story of Jesus in and through us. Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Guess what that means? It means we too shall live, die, and rise again. Jesus suffered. That means we will suffer. He was victorious. We will be victorious. He overcame. We will overcome. He has a future filled with hope. That means that when you place your faith, your trust, and your life in Jesus Christ, that means that you have a living hope and you have a glorious future. No circumstance, no situation can take that away. Contentment is a choice. A choice to depend on Christ who gives me strength. We've all learned about circumstances and situations that are out of our control. But here's the truth. And is it not? Circumstances and situations, they come and they go. Kind of like happiness, right? It comes and it goes. And we've all learned something about circumstances and situations out of our control in the year 2020. And in 2021, 
And if you've paid any attention to the news this week, it looks like 2022 is going to be another fun year. I laugh to keep from crying. (laughs) And yet, we will press on. And we will keep going. Because we can withstand and go through all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can practice contentment in all seasons through Christ who strengthens us. Together, friends, brothers, sisters, may we place our true hope in Jesus Christ the solid rock on which we stand, and the only one who will truly satisfy. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Because you, Lord, are the one who is able. You, Lord, are the one who makes a way. And God, I just pray that we would be able, Lord, to just continue to choose joy, to choose contentment. On our own, we can't, Lord, because we we fall short into comparison, into envy, into bitterness, into our own anger into our self-absorption, Lord. But with you, God, all things are possible. We can withstand all circumstances. We can practice contentment in all circumstances through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, would you be our everlasting strength? everlasting strength that leads to everlasting joy. And God, in this moment, Lord, we just want to be able to pray to you and ask God that you would be the one in who we truly depend on. Forgive us, Lord, when we place that dependence on something or someone else on a feeling, on a circumstance, on a situation which is here one day and gone the next day. Lord, help us, God, to place the weight of our entire soul on you, Jesus. You're the only one who can satisfy us. You're the only one who can make let go of the old way that we're so used to, God. And to say yes to this new way of being in you, in Christ Jesus, who came, who died, who rose again. That now, Lord, we can experience that newness, that new life through this resurrected and living way. We too will have times and seasons where we spiritually
lessons from Philippians over the past fall, Lord, that they would not just be something we hear, but that we put into practice. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers, you hear our cries. Thank you that you are with us here and now, and that the good work that you began in us, you will bring into completion.
man. So much better his way. Friends, it's been such a joy to be able to worship today. And just a couple of very uh, special shout outs. We definitely want to thank uh, some brothers and sisters in Christ uh, helping us with worship today. Sylvia and uh, Greg. And uh, give it up for Mary Beth, too, her first time on vocals here today. And also give a very warm welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Martinez, who are with us here today. <laughs> so go ahead during fellowship to give them a warm hug and a greeting as well. And we, we're looking forward to just continue in this season today. Friends, it's been such a joy to be able to worship together, to pray together, to hear God's word. And as we continue in this week to just um, pray that God would be our defender, that God would be the one who we depend on, who we can depend on and practice contentment with in all things and in all circumstances. Just a couple of reminders, we do have fellowship immediately after service. If this is your first time, please go ahead and fill out a welcome card and we'd love to pray with you and get to know you as well. Take five minutes to fellowship afterwards, get to know someone you didn't come with here today, and a reminder that Christmas decorating is this coming Thursday at 6 p.m. here at the church, and if you're able to do that, that would be fantastic so that we can beautify all of this for the holiday and Advent season and Christmas season. But friends, as we go out from here, would you receive this blessing first in Spanish and then in English? Que la gracia de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, el amor de Dios nuestro Padre y el compañerismo del Espíritu Santo que esté con nosotros ahora y para siempre. May the grace of our living Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in God's peace. God bless you, family, and we'll see you here for worship next week. Let's have some fellowship. Go in God's peace. Blessings. <laughs>